Back Row Brown Show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Back Row Brown Show. It's your boy, Matty B, on the ones and twos here again. You can follow me at SportsFanaticMB. You can follow this show at Back Row Browns. We are going to be recapping the 2020 NFL Draft. It has come to a conclusion. It is nice and early on a beautiful Sunday morning here. And the draft completed yesterday. The Browns made a lot of uh, interesting picks. A lot of picks that uh, I may not have been sold on at first if you watched live, especially that that first round. I I was not 100% sold, but after being able to look back on the entire class, I'm, I'm really intrigued with what the Browns did. So let's jump in and talk about what the Cleveland Browns, Andrew Berry, Kevin Stefanski were able to do in the 2020 virtual NFL draft. Snap is back, ball is down, the kick is blocked, they got it! Denzel Ward blocked the field goal try, and that's the end of the first half. Can Denzel Ward do anything else? When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. 50, Nick Chubb! Hasta la vista, baby! Nick Chubb! Touchdown! What a catch by Landry! So for starters, I thought it was really interesting the way that the NFL handled uh, the virtual draft. Uh, for those of us who watched uh, Monday, or not Monday, I'm sorry, Thursday night, uh, it did seem to drag on uh, quite a little bit. But outside of that, I thought it was handled really well. Uh, I thought they did a really good job of kind of talking about the frontline support and some other things that I could have done without some of the concert stuff in the middle there. Uh, but outside of that, I thought it was handled really well. Uh, it gave us, obviously, a much-needed distraction in, in this time uh, for everybody, which I'm sure... It's not easy. Everybody's struggling and going through stuff right now, but it was a nice uh, distraction, especially for us football fans, to kind of be able to focus on and, and get hope for our teams moving forward into 2020 with uh, with this draft. And, and the Browns did a really good job. Uh, obviously, they went offensive tackle here in the first round, and they went Jedrick Wills Jr. Uh, I was not 100% sold on Wills just because – He's definitely one of the best tackles in this draft, and a lot of people had them as his as their number one tackle. So that is something definitely to look forward to. My biggest fear with Wills coming in is he's played right tackle his entire career, and, and that's why I kind of was hoping that the the Browns, when it came to their point on the clock in the first round, would have gone with Mackay Becton because he had played left tackle and played left tackle very well. Wills has never done that, so he, we're asking him to go from right tackle to to left tackle now with the Browns because he's not going. We're not moving Jack Conklin. Jack Conklin 
is a veteran who has proven that he can be a right tackle in the NFL. It's, it's going to be much harder to ask him to move to left tackle than to, for Wills. So we're going to be moving Wills to left tackle. And uh, someone described it uh, as I was listening to some radio stuff this weekend. Uh, is It's like learning to do everything. If you're right-handed, learning to do everything with your left hand. And it, it, you, know, you would think it would be easy because you're just moving a position, but it isn't. You're redoing your footwork. You're relearning how to use your hands and everything. Now, Wills, again, is considered one of the best prospects at, or quote-unquote the best prospect at tackle. So it's something he likely will be able to do. Uh, I like that they picked him up. Uh, obviously, there was a lot of talk that uh, the Browns still might have been in play for Trent Williams, who ended up getting traded this weekend as well. But then they came out and said when they got him, they knew that they, they were kind of good and did not want to give up the draft capital for uh, him, which I kind of get because they actually made a, a couple interesting pickups there in the third and fifth round uh, with their draft picks. So I'm not 100%. I'm not really upset that they didn't get uh, Williams. Obviously, you know if you would have gotten Williams, you're bringing in a guy who's going to be a bona fide top tackle uh, his, you know, on his worst day, a top five tackle in the NFL. And that would have been great for the Browns and everything you know, that we as fans want them to do this year and possibly winning and going to the playoffs. But they picked a guy in Jedrick Wills who they felt was going to, to be the future, and so I can't blame them for that. They, the one thing I love about this Browns team and what they did in this draft is they had a plan and they stuck with it. And, and that's something, as I talked about before, all these guys being on the same page and kind of going with with uh, this has is, is been good. It's going to be good for the Browns. We don't have the analytics team saying one thing, these NFL guys saying another thing. They're all on the same page, and they're all moving in the same direction. I do think that is good for the Browns. So just a little bit more on Jedrick Wills. 6'4", 312, uh, played at Alabama. He is, according to I'm, – I'm using ESPNs right now. According to ESPN, he's the number one at the position rank, number eight overall, uh, and has a 93 grade. So – Great player to get here at 10. There was a lot of thoughts that he would be off the board already before he got to the Browns. As, as those of you who know have been listening to the show, I was hoping for Andrew Thomas because he it was literally the left tackle um, for Georgia uh, throughout college. I thought he'd be a really great fit for the Browns, uh, but the Giants took him at four, which I was not expecting. I really thought that they would go a guy like Wills, Becton, or Wirfs if they did not go Isaiah Simmons. So I really did expect Andrew Thomas to fall. He did not, but that's okay. We got a guy in Jedrick Wills who a lot of people believe it can end up being the best of this class, and, and he's definitely someone I'm excited to see um, and see what he's able to to progress into. So we, we, we secured our left tackle for the future, it's great for Baker, obviously, kind of getting someone that can grow with him, learn to protect his blind side, and if he becomes as good as, as a lot of people think he will, uh, you know, I don't want to compare anybody to Joe Thomas, uh, you know, because he's a walk-in Hall of Famer, probably one of the best, not even probably, one of the best Browns players to ever play for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, definitely one of my favorite players ever with the way he was committed to Cleveland as well. Uh, but I do think Wills has a chance to kind of follow in his footsteps, not necessarily be Joe Thomas, but follow in his footsteps and be a game-changing, franchise-changing left tackle for years to come. Round two is where things got interesting for me. I, I loved this pick, obviously. Uh, they got Grant Delpit, who I've been talking about. In a lot of my mocks, I was getting uh, the Browns were either getting Grant Delpit or Antoine Winfield Jr., and both of them were there, and for me, it's kind of, which way do you want to go? Grant Delpit... Uh, his biggest knock on him is his tackling. He they say that he's just he's missed too many tackles. Uh, you know he came out. I can't remember exactly how he quantified that. He 
came out and gave a reason why, but and I do believe a little bit did have to do with the injuries. He played with an, a high ankle sprain, which if anybody's had a high ankle sprain knows that that is not – you can barely walk with those things sometimes. So being out there and playing football – can you know really kind of struggle I'm sure really make him struggle at, at that position very competitive uh, he can play in the he can cover slot wide receivers cover tight ends cover up top he, he's really good he picked off seven passes last year in the past two seasons uh, very smart he can run up and hit you as well so he he can be a hard-nosed safety uh, but the biggest knock on him is tackling which you know I made a joke about well that was kind of the the biggest knock on on uh, Grady uh, Williams as well last year coming out of LSU we definitely win uh, LSU Tigers this year as well we saw obviously uh, Landry and Beckham posting a lot about that stuff the the Cleveland Tigers because we we've really gone heavily on LSU the past couple years uh, but he's the number three ranked at this position and the 35 ranked overall, 87 grade. So I, I like the pick. I do think Del Pitt has a chance to immediately step in and really help this football team. I think Del Pitt is going to be an absolute stud. He's someone that last year before the angle sprint, a lot of people were talking about him as a top 10 pick. And so I really do think that the injury was the biggest reason that kind of pushed him back. And then with the wide receivers and the way that the rest of the draft class kind of got built, I think is what's caused uh, Grant Delpit to get pushed into the second round. And for us to get a guy like that is a good thing for the Browns. Now, granted, it does seem a lot uh, Greedy Williams-ish. There was a lot of talk about that with Greedy Williams last year, right? He was one of the best cornerbacks in the draft. He struggled with tackling, but he was like one of the best cover corners in the draft class. He fell into the second round. Browns got a huge steal on him. And then Greedy didn't pan out. And I still think he has time to pan out. You know, not everybody's going to come in and, and – uh, produce kind of like Denzel did when he was on the field it, you know we you don't always see that and so I do think that greedy is still going to pan out I don't think that people are wrong on him on his grade he's definitely not um uh j- he's definitely not Justin Gilbert who I kind of feel like some people are worried that he's going to turn into um Gilbert for those of you who may not remember the cornerback we drafted in 20. 20- 14 I believe with Johnny Manziel if I'm remembering that correctly could be wrong on that. I'm not 100% sure. I'm pretty sure it was 2014 with Johnny Manziel. I'm pretty sure they took you. Was it Gilbert first and then Manziel? If I'm, yeah, Justin Gilbert, he was at like 8 or 9, and then Manziel, I know, was in the 20s. So, yeah, then everybody who was hoping for Justin Gilbert to do something never really turned out. There's even talks about them moving him to wide receiver, all kinds of other stuff. He, he's not Gilbert. I, I still very much believe in Greedy Williams. I thought it was a great pick last year. He he doesn't necessarily fit the analytics approach. That was definitely a John Dorsey pick, but I still think he can work out for that secondary opposite of Denzel Ward. And then you bring in a guy like Del Pitt who can play deep, play the safety role, strong safety, free safety, whatever. He's very versatile. I think that he's going to be a very good addition to that secondary. I would not be surprised if we're not calling his name uh, a lot, or not we, but the announcers are calling his name a lot on Sundays for good things he's done for the secondary. It's a really good pick. I'm, I'm really happy with it in the second round. Now, I'll be honest, I would have preferred Antoine Winfield Jr. because I feel like he's got a little bit less knock on his game, especially when it comes to tackling, but I also don't think he has the overall explosiveness that greedy, uh, not greedy, that, uh, that Delpit has. So, Delpit, I think, has the higher ceiling, but I think Antoine Winfield ha- is likely going to be the more consistent guy. Like he, we know what you know what you're getting with Winfield. He he's almost a completed prospect at this point. You know what you're getting. He's going to give you his all in every ge- in every game. Where Delpit, I feel like he hasn't quite reached his ceiling yet, and and he's getting there, uh, but he may not get there. So that that's kind of my biggest fear with Delpit. 
Still think it's a great pick in the second round and a guy that we should be really excited about joining the Cleveland Browns. And they took him at pick 12 in the second round. So really good pick, like I said, from them. Really excited. I'm really excited to see a lot of these guys on the field, if I'm being honest. This, this has been a really good draft class for for me with the Browns. Uh, there's obviously uh, – I would have loved them for loved for them to have attacked the cornerback position. They, they kind of – they, they had really kind of five needs coming into this draft, which we've talked about many times going uh, through the mock drafts. We did, I think, three mock drafts leading up to this episode, maybe just two. I, I don't remember now. But in the first one, I know I was not able to get a cornerback. Like, none of them were really falling. I didn't want to reach. I'm always someone who you just got to take the best available player at that position or when you're up on the board and don't reach because – Bringing in really good football players is also going to improve your team, and if you reach for a need, you could end up hurting your team more than helping it. So their biggest needs coming in were offensive tackle, wide receiver, cornerback, inside linebacker, and offensive guard. They were able to fill three of those. They did not take a cornerback, and they did not take a guard, uh, which, again, I still think the offensive line is good enough right now that that guard position won't hurt them. I'm interested to see what they did. They took a pick in the fifth round that is getting a lot of talk and a lot of hype. Uh, If you guys know who Jim Nagy is, he runs the uh, Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. He's the one who gets to see a lot of these guys, and he was just raving about this pick on Sunday when they took him in the fifth round. When we get to him, we'll talk about him a little bit. But So Jedrick Wills Jr. with the 10th pick in the first round, then Grant Delpit with the uh, 12th pick in the second round. The third round, I'm going to be honest, was a guy I did not know a whole lot about coming into the draft process. At the 24th pick in the third round, they took Jordan Elliott, the defensive tackle, out of Missouri. Now, again, not necessarily a need for the Browns, but there's obviously a lot of talk that maybe we'll be moving on from Sheldon Richardson in a couple years, and you really only have Ogan Joby there. So maybe it was more of a thing, as I talked about earlier, best, of play, best available player on the board at the time, don't reach for a need. Number 5th position ranked, 41th ranked overall, and an 86th grade. So 41st rank overall right there. That That's the big key for me. That's where I say they went with the best player on their board and probably the best player on the board. 41st player overall means he should have gone somewhere in the second round, and he didn't go until the 24th pick in the third round. That is a huge steal. For the Browns right there, it gives them someone to short because, like I said, uh, Ogan Joby, I forgot Ogan Joby is also going, I think, into his contract year. We don't know. We know Richardson will be here for at least another year. What will they do with him after that? Uh, from what I've read, he's got great hands. He's really good at locating the ball, coming off blocks, uh, really good power. Uh, and his ability to win rushing the passer is really good. So Jordan Elliott is a guy that uh, we should be very happy that we got. I don't know how much playing time he'll get this year. I'm sure he'll sub in and out with Richardson and Ogunjobi at times, but a guy we could be looking at the future of our defensive tackle starting as early as next season. So I'm really excited about this pick. Like I said, 41st ranked overall player, and they got him in the third round at pick 24. So that's literally with 88 picks into the draft, that was 47 spots over where he was ranked as an overall player. So for me, huge steal for the Browns. Yes, it wasn't necessarily a need, but it's you bring in a really good and talented player. I'm not going to argue with that one bit. And again, I think that comes into this team moving forward. I do feel like John Dorsey may have gone more for need or more of a football guy last year. And don't get me wrong, I love Dorsey. I love what he did for the Browns. I do feel like he... Him, Sashi Brown, and now Andrew Berry all deserve credit for if the Browns are able to turn this around, which we all hope they do, and become playing being a playoff team in 2020. Uh, I do think each of them deserves their own line of credit, but I do like the way that the team handled this draft this year. 
And getting a guy like Jordan Elliott, I think, just speaks to that, that they're trying to go for the value and get top players, get good players, good NFL players to put on this team because it cannot – it's not a bad thing if you're bringing in a defensive tackle that's a, you know a top 50 player overall. This is not just a, you know position rank overall in the draft. A top 50 player in the third round. You're throwing him into an already scary defensive front and adding more depth to it. I think it just helps out that defense even more, which in return helps out our offense. The defense is able to limit what the other offenses can do. It doesn't put as much pressure on Baker and those guys to put up 40 points a game because the defense is so damn good. So we had two picks in the third round with the 33rd pick in uh, the third round. So what are we looking at? About nine picks. Yeah, nine picks later, they took inside linebacker Jacob Phillips out of LSU. This was the interesting pick for me. So he was the fourth-ranked position player at uh, at inside linebacker, but the 121st-ranked player overall in this class. So if you were going by that, they reached a little bit for him. There was a lot of talk that this this is kind of an interesting pick uh, for the Browns. He, he was limited in his pass coverage, which is kind of what worries me a little bit. You want a guy who can do a little bit of that pass coverage stuff like Joe Schobert did, which I imagine that's where they're kind of bringing him in to fill that spot. We, we know with some of the free agent signings that they had earlier, they brought in a lot of run guys. You need kind of those pass coverage, pass coverage linebackers, and Jacob Phillips is not necessarily that. He's very good at run blocking. He can get through big blockers fairly easily, and he is, like from what I'm, I've read, one of the most disciplined run defenders here. So, so they definitely bring in another guy who's stopping the run. I'm just worried maybe they're going to rely so much on their secondary to stop the passer. And I was worried about it with the linebackers. I personally think you still need a little bit, at least one linebacker, who you can kind of have roaming in the middle of that field that can cover tight ends or, or do a good job of trying to deflect passes and everything. I don't know if that's what they're going to rely on Phillips for. He's definitely not shown that that much in college, but... LSU obviously had a, a fairly stout defense. Uh, as I said, they leaned heavily on those guys. It was uh, This was the compensatory pick from Houston for the Duke Johnson trade, I believe is what it was. So they got him here at 33. We'll see what happens with them. I still don't know a whole lot about him. I've been researching him a, a little bit. But I haven't, uh, haven't finished all of my work on him yet. And, and, you know, I will bring up again, we know that the Browns, we're ranked 30th in the league last year against defense, or rush defense, I'm sorry. So they were obviously, we, we just couldn't stop the run. It's kind of unfortunately been something we as Browns fans have had to suffer through for quite a while, not being able to stop the run. So maybe that is another reason why they brought him in, just to kind of make sure that we're really kind of shoring up uh, that linebacker spot to help stop the run. You know, I, I still like Mac Wilson. I think he possibly could be a decent cover linebacker if they need him in coverage. Uh, but Jacob Phillips, third round pick, 33rd round. So 6'3", 229 pounds, as I mentioned already, out of uh, LSU. Will be added to the linebacker core here to help stop the run. All right, let's keep going here. So we go into the fourth round, and with the ninth pick in the fourth round, this is, again, another pick that was uh, really interesting for me. It was not somewhere I thought that they would go, and I think it'll be interesting to see how much this may change the dynamic of the Browns, especially when it comes to the tight end position. With the fourth, um, sorry, the ninth pick in the fourth round, they take Harrison Bryant out of Florida Atlantic, 6'5", 243, number four at the tight end position, 77th overall rank uh, in the class, and 74. So again, if you're going analytic side, steal right here, right? Your 77th ranked player, getting him in the fourth round, you're good night. Oh, let's see here. 
128 rounds, not rounds, my goodness, 128 picks into the draft, not counting compensatory picks, so obviously that's a huge steal here. You're getting him 51 picks back, uh, so that the great move for the Browns here. Little bit on him because I've studied him a little bit for my fantasy football podcast. He was considered, in my opinion, one of the best tight ends coming out. So, Bryant, really good receiving uh, tight end. He does have a little bit below average uh, length, not not necessarily a long, lanky guy, but definitely has top end speed. Um, can be um, elusive in the field, very strong, decent blocker. Uh, it gives it his all. He, he still needs to improve his blocking a little bit, uh, but is a decent blocker. Really good. Um, Hands, though, we saw him play in Ohio, against Ohio State in 2019. Florida Atlantic it was a really good, not a huge game, obviously, because the Buckeyes blew him out. But he made some really good catches in that game. And he is was considered probably the best offensive tight end coming into this class. It was like him, Her- uh, Hunter Bryant out of Washington, and Adam Troutman out of Dayton. So the only one who had gone, I believe, before that point was Troutman to New Orleans, maybe. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Uh, but there was not a lot of tight ends taken at this point. Maybe one. The Browns kind of took hit. this guy's, I believe, the second tight end off the board. I like it. I do think Harrison Bryant is going to come in, and, and he's going to add another offensive weapon to that uh, that uh, tight end group. So now you've got Njoku, who I think is the overall most physical freak of the group, but he struggles with catching, struggles with blocking. Then you bring in Austin Hooper, who I think is the all-around best tight end of the group. He can do stuff for you offensively, can be a really good run and pass blocker, just an overall really good tight end. And then you bring in Harrison Bryant, who I think is probably, if we're being honest, Slides right in between Hooper and Njoku is now the second best tight end on the roster. Bryant is a really good receiver. As I mentioned, he does a good job blocking. He is not the best blocker, but that is okay. We we don't expect with the college game is so different. You can't expect these guys to come in and be the best blockers right away. A lot of these guys now with the way the college systems are running, a lot of teams moving toward these air raid offenses, tight ends are barely used in the blocking formation. So he'll learn that here at the NFL level and with the Browns and how they want to use him. I have no doubt with the talent that he is that he'll be able to learn that. So the big question then comes into what does this mean for David and Joku? And I honestly don't know. Andrew Barry came out and said that the Browns are not looking to move in Joku. He was just the best player on the board at the time, so that's the reason that they took him. And I do believe that because I, I, that's more of an analytics approach. I'll be interested to see if they're actually telling the truth, if we can get something for Njoku. I think that we should keep Njoku, if I'm being honest. I loved. I didn't love that they traded up into the first round to get him, but I've loved the way that he plays. He definitely looked like he was coming on last year before he broke his wrist. Looked a lot better than he had been looking the past couple seasons. We still have Steven Carlson as well, so if they do move on from Njoku... I'll understand it because Carlson, while he's definitely not in Joku and he's not even Bryant or Hooper, he's a really good blocker. He can be okay in the offensive part of the game. And if someone comes at you and offers you a second round and like a fourth round or something like that for Njoku, I think you've got to take it at this point. Because I don't know that you're going to sign him and bring him back. Uh, they've still talked about if they're going to bring pick up his fifth-year option. If you can get something for Njoku and you know you're not planning on keeping him, you might as well just move on from him now, especially bringing in a guy like Bryant. I'd hate to say that because I like Njoku, and I think he could be a really good tight end, too, to Hooper's one uh, with Bryant mixing in somewhere. But I feel like 
Well, they said that they also were saying that, like, hey, we're open to moving Njoku with this move. Uh, And I honestly thought that with them doing that and picking up Bryant, that this might have been them leaning more towards making the Trent Williams trade at the time. And that there was a lot of rumors back when the Williams trade came around that it was going to be, like, Njoku and something for Trent Williams. And so when they picked up Harrison Bryant, I was like, okay, like, they're talking to the Redskins and they're going to make this Williams trade happen. It didn't happen. That's okay. But I do think that there's probably... I would imagine Njoku is on the opening day roster, assuming everything goes to plan and the NFL starts when we hope that it will here in August. If it doesn't and things are delayed, I would not, regardless, I would not be surprised if Njoku is moved by the trade deadline, especially if a team suffers an injury at the tight end position and they want to bring in a young offensive guy like Njoku and the Browns are able to get something out of it. I would not be surprised if they moved him having Bryant and Carlson to back up Hooper. The big thing I will mention is not they this the Browns team with this offense that they're going to run the outside zone scheme with Stefanski is going to be mostly two tight end sets. So they can't get rid of two tight ends. So if we see him cut Steven Carlson at any point, I do think that that means they're going to definitely hold on to Njoku. Like you need to have at least three tight ends on your roster if you're going to likely I'd say probably 70% of the time run two tight end sets because you don't want either one of those guys to get winded. You need them both to go out there and do different things, whether it's Hooper blocking one play and Njoku going out on routes or both of them going out on routes. Like You you need to have those backups, and obviously they could just probably sign a tight end off the street if they wanted to, but I don't think they want to go down that route. I think they want to have a bunch of really good tight ends, and like I said, as much as I like Carlson, he is definitely not the offensive weapon that those other three are. Matter of fact, he's a couple steps down. So I, I would say if they cut Carlson or maybe they just end up keeping all four, we'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with the tight ends. But if, in my opinion, you can get someone really good or a really good pick or two for Njoku, I think at this point it's time to move him if, if they know that he is not going to be part of their future. In the fifth round with the 15th pick, the Browns took Nick Harris, the center out of Washington. So this was the pick that I was talking about earlier because Jim Nagy was raving about this kid. And I'm trying to remember exactly what he said. He's talking about how good of a, a blocker he was, that he's initially very quick, which is kind of underrated for, for those offensive linemen, how quick they can get up from the snap and, and kind of into position. said that he noticed it all during the week at uh, the Senior Bowl, how he was like one of the fastest offensive linemen to get up into position. He's very quick, very athletic. He's very good at kind of sticking with his defensive linemen that are coming to him, uh, that he doesn't have necessarily the uh, the power to kind of drive guys back, but he he's not someone who gets like pushed back. They were saying that he has some of the best potential they thought coming out of college at the center position so he's the sixth ranked center 146 ranked player with a 59 overall grade so again going into the fifth round it's almost exactly on the dot um, or actually they got him at a little bit of a value again that's not not counting compensatory picks 160 would we where were you were at we got him at 146 so about a 14 pick difference again not counting compensatory picks uh, cuz I don't even know not everybody gets compensatory picks I'm not I really didn't want to dive that deep into that hole on how many compensatory picks they had so they got him at a little bit of a value and again, I was listening to it, I believe uh, it was on ESPN radios. I was out running some errands and trying to get some stuff done. Uh, and Jim Nagy, who I really respect, he, he runs a really good senior bowl. He's one of the be- better people, I think, if you're on Twitter, to follow him on Twitter. 
uh, really good guys when it comes down to breaking down prospects and everything. Like I said he's the one who decides who comes into the Senior Bowl. All that stuff does a great job. And, and the way he was excited for Nick Harris going to the Browns and saying, like, they got a steal in the draft by getting this guy in the fifth round excites me. And he's the guy that I was talking about as well with the offensive guard position. We did not draft an offensive guard, which was a position of need for us. I would not be surprised if Harris is not able to move over to one of the guard spots. They were talking about that on the coverage, that he has the ability to probably, with his with his size and weight, so 6'1", 302, but his ability and quickness to possibly move over to a guard spot. So I wonder if that's why they decided to take Nick Harris there in the fifth round instead of trying to get a guard and, and possibly reach for one. I like it. I'm really excited to see what Harris can do if he is able to move into one of those guard spots. Regardless, the the last two picks for the Browns I thought were just knocked out of the park. Again, I did not know much about Nick Harris, but from everything I've heard and read since the pick was made, it seems like the Browns got a steal here in the fifth round. I, I love the pick. He's a guy that we're not as, as a team and fan base going to be talking about a lot leading in to the NFL season, you know, we're going to be talking about the Wills and the Dell Pitts and possibly Bryant and our six-round pick, Peoples-Jones, because he's a wide receiver, because those are the sexy positions, right? And those are the big-name draft prospects, Dell Pitt, you know, the big safety coming over. Wills, our left tackle of the future. And then you got Peoples-Jones possibly coming in and doing this at the wide receiver position. Harris could be the best pick that we've made in this draft. I mean, again, Wills is definitely the most talented, but if Harris comes in, Fifth-round pick is as good as they say he can be, slides into a guard spot, and then solidifies and brings us back to one of the best offensive lines in football, which we were just a few short years ago before Joe Thomas retired, and we let Matt go, and then we traded Zeitler. Like, if we can get back to that, I think that's going to mean great things for Nick Chubb and great things for Baker Mayfield and this receiving core. So I love the Harris pick. I'm excited about the Harris pick. I'm excited to see where he transitions to, even if he just stays at center. From everything I heard and read, he, he could be a steal for that position. I think that he's the, re- the reason they didn't go offensive guard, and they're going to shift him to either right guard or left guard and then just kind of let him eat. And I hope that big fella eats on that offensive line. So in the sixth round, I already mentioned him. They got a, a really good wide receiver. I was really kind of surprised that he dropped to the sixth round. And uh, I won't... You know, Donovan Peoples-Jones, 6'2", 212 from that team up north. I refuse. If you're a Michigan fan, oh, man, I just said it. Son of a bitch. If you're a fan of that team up north, I apologize. I am a huge Buckeyes fan. I will not. I'm, that was a slip of the tongue. I will not mention their team name again ever on this podcast, but I do have respect for some of the people who came out of there. Jabril Peppers a couple years ago and Donovan Peoples-Jones. He is a phenomenal wide receiver. 21st ranked at the position, 126th ranked overall, 64 grade. Great hand size, or I'm sorry, great size, great hands, great length, huge wingspan, and has top end speed. He is extremely fast. He does not catch the ball a body catcher. So for those of you who don't know what a body catcher is, it's where they let the ball get like into their chest or into their stomach. They don't catch it with their hands outside of their body. They let it come into their body and catch it, which is also the easiest way for drops. He's not that. He is a natural hand catcher. He's someone who goes up and plucks the ball out of the air with a natural smoothness. I love it. Uh, He doesn't his production did not match his talent at the team up north, and I do think that's because Shea Patterson was throwing him the ball. Shea Patterson, again, for any of us Buckeyes fans, and I think any of the fans of 
of that team up north can admit Shea Patterson was just god-awful. He, he was horrible. You know, I looked forward to the Buckeyes playing them whenever he was their quarterback because I kind of knew they weren't going to have much of a chance. Donovan Peoples-Jones, I think, suffered the most from that. I think this was an absolute steal highway robbery. The Browns got a solid pick here. I am a little worried that he slipped into the sixth round. I never believed in. There was a lot of hype coming into the draft that he was going to be a first-round picker around first or second round. I never believed that. This wide receiver class was just too deep. I think that's what hurt some of these talented guys is it pushed them down. You know, there's a guy, again, if you follow me on Twitter or listen to my my fantasy football podcast, you know that I'm a huge fan of, of Isaiah Hodgins. I thought he's a phenomenal wide receiver. He's, he's a DeAndre Hopkins in the making, in my opinion, and he slipped into the sixth round as well and went to the Buff- Buffalo Bills. So there was a lot of really talented wide receivers that slipped in this draft because of just how deep it was. Peoples-Jones, I think, was a steal for the Browns. I think he's a guy who can come in and play day one. Uh, he was training with Jarvis Landry in Florida before all of this stuff uh, went down. I believe he's still in contact with them is what they were saying. Uh, I think Donovan Peoples-Jones could easily come in, as I said, and be a starter day one on the outside opposite of Odell, allowing Jarvis to go back into his more natural slot-wide receiver spot. Now, we don't know what's going to happen with Higgins, and I don't mean this as any disrespect, but I don't care about, about Ratley. You know, I don't care about Kadero Hodge. I don't care about Taewon Taylor, Jamon Moore, JoJo. Well, JoJo Natson I actually do like, but he's going to be mostly a special teamer. I don't care about those guys. I don't. They're good wide receivers as four, five, six guys. They are not threes or twos. Donovan Peoples-Jones is a three or two. I think he's easily going to come in here and be a really good wide receiver. I would not be surprised if we don't see him out there in the three wide receiver sets more often than anybody else. I do think he can very easily sit opposite of Odell and allow, as I said, Jarvis to go into the slot. I'm sorry I keep hitting my headset on my microphone. My goodness, this is ridiculous. So that is a a big insurance policy as well as they don't bring back Rashard Higgins, which it kind of seems like... Chances are they might not. If they do, I would love it. I think that slides Higgins either into the three or four slot, which I think him and Donovan Peoples-Jones can easily kind of switch in and out of and, and really kind of bolster that wide receiver core. Because that's the thing. We look at having Odell and Jarvis, and you're like, God, oh, like the Browns have a phenomenal wide receiver core. But then we do at the top. It is not very – there's no depth. It's not very top – it's very top heavy. We don't have any depth at all. We're able to bring back Higgins, and then you add in Peoples-Jones. All of a sudden, you do have one of the best wide receiver cores in all of the NFL. It becomes very deep. A lot of guys that you can count on because, again, I just don't think, personally, Taewon Taylor, Kadero Hodge, and Damian Ratley are anything that we should be uh, we should be throwing out there. So just kind of looking right now with everything based on what we saw from the draft, my predictions for the Browns' starting lineup likely is going to be obviously we know Baker's going to be back there you've got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the backfield probably two backfield set you got Andy Janovich who I think great great trade by them earlier in the year uh to get him the fullback because he's really going to be able to clear up even more holes for uh Chubb and Hunt whenever they are running the ball in your two tight end sets you're going to have Hooper and Njoku still I think both of those guys are going to sit over uh, Harrison Bryant, I forgot they had Farrell Brown, I'm pretty sure they still have him as well, but over Bryant, Carlson, and Farrell Brown uh, for sure, so going in right tackle, you've got Jack Conklin, obviously great signing there in the offseason, going to be an absolute stud, uh, Wyatt Teller there at the right guard, J.C. Treader at center, Joel Batonio at left guard, and then Jedrick Will sliding into left tackle. 
I would not be surprised if we don't possibly see Nick Harris in the next couple years or even next year take over for Wyatt Teller. Or maybe he is their insurance policy to J.C. Treader. I don't know. I don't think he replaces Batonio, uh, but I could be wrong on that. Again, Harris is a guy that I'm watching very closely. I really think he's going to be a stud. Uh, and then wide receivers, obviously it's Odell Jarvis. And like I said, if they go three wide receiver sets, I think Peoples-Jones slides into that third spot. Um, instead of a guy like Taewon Taylor, Kaderil Hodge, or Damian Ratley. Going on to the secondary, or not the secondary, the defense. I'm not going to lie, guys. I'm really starting to love this defense. Of course, it's very early. Very, very early right now. Like There's obviously a whole lot of other things that could happen. And... Uh, We'll, we'll see. We've got a lot of offseason, a lot of moves coming. But at the left end, we've got Miles Garrett. Defensive tackle, you're going to have Ogan Joby, Sheldon Richardson with Jordan Elliott kind of subbing in and out for them again. Love the Jordan Elliott pick. Think he's going to be a stud. It really could move for them. On the other end, you've got Olivier Vernon. In the linebacker core, you're likely going to have is your middle linebacker, Sion Takitaki. Your Sam is going to be Jacob Phillips, uh, the, the LSU guy that we drafted this year, the inside linebacker. And then uh, you're also going to have Mac, Mac Wilson out there. Denzel Ward coming in as your left cornerbacker, probably going up against the best cor- uh, best wide receiver on the team with Grady Williams being on the other side. Uh, I think they're going to get backed up by Terrence Mitchell, Kevin Johnson, um, and probably Jermaine Grace would, would be my guess. Those will be the backups, but you'll see those two out there more than not. And then at your strong safety and free safety position, this is what I love Carl Joseph and Grant Delpit. Carl Joseph, as we talked about on the free agency, bought a hard hitting, like wants to knock you out safety. And then you got a guy like Delpit, who is a ball hawk. You're right. He's not he's not gonna hit you like Carl Joseph is, but he's going to go get the ball. I love that. Getting backed up by guys like Shedrick Will, Redwine, and uh, Andrew Sandejo. So that that's just kind of how I project. The lineup's coming out right now. I thought overall it was a a great draft for the Browns. I'm sure Stefanski and Pelt uh, are really excited about what they're going to be able to do on offense now, especially adding a guy like Donovan Peoples-Jones to that wide receiver court, and then a guy like Joe Woods getting Grant Delpit, Jacob Phillips, and then Jordan Elliott. I bet he is just over the moon. My goodness, I need to stop that. He is over the moon. Super excited about what he's going to be able to do with his defense. I cannot wait to see what happens again. I wish we were going into a normal offseason. Things would be getting ramped up for us Browns fans, right? But uh, unfortunately, we're still living in an uncertain time. I'm still excited to see what happens with the Browns going into 2020, but it's going to be uh, an interesting offseason. We will definitely keep everybody updated with it. So I did want to mention uh, as we were talking about it, the, the Browns did make a couple of trades in the draft yesterday to kind of move back a couple slots here um, and, and added a couple key 2021 picks. So I want to address that really quick because I did not bring it up while we were talking about uh, the draft picks and, and the picks that they made. All right, so let's talk about the, the trades really quick. So they obviously, for those of us who, who may not know, uh, there was a lot of talk about possibly Cleveland losing the draft next year because of the virtual draft this year. It was supposed to be held in Oakland. That is not happening. The draft is still going to be in Cleveland. I will be there, uh, so I'm super excited about that. I'll probably do a, a Brown show, maybe with the back row guys uh, who all obviously live in the Cleveland area. I'll be there with Dynasty Nerds, which is a Cleveland uh, – Started in Cleveland, a uh, huge dynasty uh, fantasy football website that I write for. I will be there with them as well, enjoying the the draft uh, 
festivities there in Cleveland next year, which I cannot wait for. So obviously they had seven picks going in. They made two trades in this 20 draft that allows them now to have 10 picks in 2021. So they will be super active in their hometown draft next year, which I'm super excited about. Uh, they came in with nine uh, before the weekend, uh, moved it to ten uh, with the trade on Friday where they moved back 14 spots uh, in the third round going from pick 74 to 88 where they uh, exchanged with the with the Saints. This is where the Browns also gave up their seventh-round pick. That's why we didn't have a seventh-round pick this year. We stopped at six with Donovan Peoples-Jones being our last pick. Uh, we also moved back uh, from 41 to 44 uh, with the Colts in exchange for our 2025th, which was fine because we already had that. That was when we got uh, Nick Harris, and the Browns were able to also get Grant Delpit at 44, and because of that trade, Jordan Elliott at 88. So I felt two really great moves that allowed them to really kind of secure two great players. You know, again, we could have taken Delpit at 41. Being able to drop back, though, to 44, still get him, and then you pick up a player like Jordan Elliott at 88 and Nick Harris, I mean – or I'm sorry, they got the pick from the Colt, the fifth-round pick, to get Nick Harris, but they were also able to get Jordan Elliott at 88 because of that. I mean, just slam dunk. These guys killed the draft this year. Super excited about it. And again, with the with the trades, we're able to add another pick on, and now we have 10 picks going into 2021 as well. Super excited what the Browns did this weekend. I thought they killed the NFL draft, but what do you guys think? This episode will be up soon. Hit me up on Twitter at BackRowBrowns, at SportsFanaticMB. Let me know if you liked the draft as well. If you didn't, what you did or didn't like about it, and what you want to see from the Browns team moving forward. We will hopefully be back next week to probably talk a little bit more Browns if there's any more news or notes or anything going on. Like I said, unfortunately, the draft was kind of the last big thing we get uh, possibly for a while with everything going on in the world. So everybody, please stay safe out there. Stay healthy. Have yourself a good rest of your weekend or week whenever you decide to listen to this. And we will be back talking about our Cleveland Browns very soon. (laughs) 